Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. Oh, right back to Kyrie. Unselfish basketball for free. Anything you can be, I can be greater. Sooner or later, I'm greater than you. Thomas, the hesitation, the slide and kick. Crowder, he got it. Hello and welcome back to the Double Clutch NBA podcast. I'm your usual host, Matthew Wellington, returning to a sort of standard duties today. I've got one of the other hosts, Mike Miller. Hello. And another host, Joe Hobbit. Hi there. So the three hosts, the three amigos, we're all here to talk some basketball. Um, it's been a week since we last did a podcast. That was obviously um, the sort of the return show for me. So I'm a bit more alive and a bit more awake this week. I got told on, um, I got told this morning actually that I've only got one more checkup before they think I'm fine to not have to go to the doctors every day which is great because I've been to the doctors every day for like the last month and a bit and it's, it's getting a bit tiresome now um, anyway what we're going to talk about today is uh, the Spurs and the Cavs matchup because obviously the one seed in the East has changed and then we're going to go on to a couple of records and then at the end we'll get on to your user questions which we haven't had a lot of this week so it shouldn't be as uh, time demanding as it was on the last show where we had several questions most of which were from one person <laughs> <laughs> but keep um, them coming though because they're all good yeah yeah well no we wanted well we were obviously going to do the pod on monday but we pushed it back to today which is a wednesday night um and we tried to get some more questions come in but they, they just sort of they're not there at the moment but um i think everything's going good at the moment like listening pace and everything is is increasing and obviously more people are getting involved with the twitter feed and it's quite cool that hashtag mb in the uk has become more of a popular thing now as opposed to back when you know it first started and we if we put out a tweet for questions we get questions like a month later whereas now we can put a tweet out for questions and we'll still we'll get the questions like within a couple of hours or or whatever but that's what we want you know user interaction drives the show i think and it, it makes our job a lot easier doesn't it because you can come on and you, you've kind of know where some set topics are already um so anyway on to the big matchup which was the spurs and the Cavs, which took place on monday night this wasn't close this was a spurs blowout 103 74 and the whole game to me at least just didn't feel close Kawhi leonard finished with 25 6 and 6 despite the fact he was ice cold from downtown he did not hit a single three in that game um lebron james left the game with uh, after being sort of inadvertently elbowed by david lee and um yeah, I just—it was a great game. I mean, first of all, get your guys' general thoughts, but I've got a couple of questions I want to pose to you with regards to the way the game finished. I enjoyed it. Uh, say for the last quarter, when, like you say, LeBron wasn't in, and basically for the last ten minutes, it was just bench unit versus bench unit. Um, I thought it was a really interesting one because uh, I didn't—I didn't see it coming quite as uh, you know it's a marquee matchup, but I didn't see it being quite as one-sided as it was of. 29 points is a bit of a, a bit of a pasting. Um, I wondered how high people are on 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 the Spurs now following that, and whether this sort of makes a, a case for Kawhi Leonard's MVP campaign. Kawhi was was good. The thing I the thing is with Kawhi, he lives rent free in LeBron James's head. LeBron James sees him coming into the game, and he just thinks crap. Like I have never seen a player shut down a star as well as he does. And I've seen some, you know, I've seen great defenders, Kevin Garnett, Tony Allen, but Leonard just rattles LeBron every time. I think LeBron faked that injury at the end. I really do, just so he could get out of the game. Wow. Not not embarrass himself even more. I really do believe that. And this LeBron's one of my favourite athletes of all time. So for me to come out and say that is, it's a big accusation, which I wouldn't say to his face, but... <laughs> it, it looked to me like he was coming out on purpose. I, I did watch the replay several times, and I, I was trying to work out like how that. You know, you know, I was watching it through the Cavs feed, so the the commentary was uh, more than biased to say the least about uh, whether the elbow was warranted. To me, it just looked like he came down, <laughs> secured the ball, and then moved to, to make an outlet pass. I didn't see anything wrong with it. Just unfortunate placement, and I didn't. I could, you know, it didn't look like excessive force or anything. So I found it a bit of a surprise that he suddenly, you know, sort of winced and then went down, sort of, fifteen seconds afterwards. It was a bit of a bizarre one. Yeah, I think like what's Joe saying about LeBron having sort of a, I don't know, almost a, a bad mindset against Kawhi Leonard is 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 correct because back in the the finals where the Spurs faced the Miami Heat and LeBron James was there, there was I think there's a video that went around where. 
Kawhi checks in and LeBron's at the free throw line and he just sort of turns around and mouths, you know, oh, great. Or, or he, he swears effectively and it's like, you know, this isn't good. And Kawhi is one of those guys because of his length and his reach, he can just shut down the best players in the league. And I think that's what we saw the other night. The one thing I do want to mention as well about the Spurs is just how well Lamarcus Aldridge has been playing since he had the since he was out for sort of the heart problem. Um, he's been absolutely phenomenal and he was phenomenal again the other night. And it's just nice to see him sort of rejuvenating himself because for a long while, a lot of people thought that LaMarcus Aldridge was the problem with the San Antonio Spurs. And so certainly this season and since he obviously came back from that injury, he's been magnificent. 20 points per game. He's shooting 46%. He's gone four of eight from three-point range. He's doing everything they need him to do. And I just think teams like this, teams that have got a strong, intimidating post presence, especially the Spurs because they've got Pau Gasol who can come off the bench, they're just going to always be a problem for the Cavaliers and the way the league's gone this year with defence not being exactly a high priority for many people it's, it's a rather ori- sort of offence orientated league I, I just think that the playoffs this year are going to be so interesting because the East has certainly got a hell of a lot better there's not just one clear outright team like there has been the last two three seasons and let's be honest I don't think a team has ever gone to three straight NBA finals and sort of really made an effort with it the, the, the Miami Heat did it and didn't get on great with it um, but we'll, we'll, that, that's a long way down the line at the moment but what I want to say to you guys is just do you think the loss of Andrew Bogut is bigger than I think many of us thought it would be it's, it's difficult to call it a loss because they never really had him um, but he could definitely have, have made a difference in terms of his rebounding and his role playing what I found particularly interesting and I know we sort of we've, we've sort of said LeBron shrunk on this one but he still had 17 points eight assists eight rebounds in in three quarters but what we, what was really stark is that everyone else disappeared I mean the only other guy in double figures is Tristan Thompson and if that's you you got other guy in double figures that's that's worrisome so for me it's like LeBron's the leader of this team fair enough but they shouldn't just sort of like hide behind him they should realize that this matchup is you know, and I'm not saying it's, it's unfavourable because he's so dominant, but this matchup between him and Kawhi is a particularly difficult uh, head-to-head. You should be expecting then the teammates that have the other sort of mismatches to to make an impact because you've got guys like Tony Parker who played less than 20 minutes, but Kyrie should absolutely rinse him all the time. And yeah, Kyrie had a terrible game considering he played 26 minutes. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's like. That's what I don't understand. Where was the rest of the Cavaliers? What's going on here? Maybe this is the depth he was so desperately needing. You know, it's still not there. This is what he's talking about. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You, they add, you add Darren Williams. I mean, I know that adds to your playmaking on the offensive end of the ball, but that doesn't exactly add to you defensively. And that's what the Cavaliers at the moment are certainly lacking. If Tristan Thompson doesn't play, they don't really have anybody who can stop any interior presence on the opposing side. And then you've got like the way Tyron Lue handles the rotations is you had Richard Jefferson going up against Kawhi Leonard for several points during that game and I'm sorry but Richard Jefferson can't guard anybody these days let alone a guy who's in running for the MVP race and you, I know the game's not important but stuff like that just kind of niggles on a lot of people <laughs> I, I look at this Cavs roster I'm just looking down at the uh, box score now they don't have a backup centre I didn't realise it was that bad because you, know, you could stick Channing Fry or Kevin Love at centre, but what you're essentially saying there is we're going to have, yeah. have a defensive rating of about 140, you know, because <laughs> you're just going to you're going to shit points when one of those is at centre. So the Bogut loss is bad just because they don't have a back centre. You look at the the Miami Heat teams. Pat Riley never let that roster not have a backup centre. It was Haslam in the early days. Then it was Birdman. They had other guys as well whose names are, for some reason, are escaping me at this point. But the Ross, like um, the Cavs general manager Griffin, gets a lot of credit. But the reality is, he's left this team without a backup center. And I know the ball, the league's going to small ball, but the Cavs are not going to out small ball the Warriors, if that makes sense. If you if you try and beat the Warriors in a shooting contest, you're going to lose, especially now that they've got Kevin Durant. So they've got to try and shut things down, but they don't have that presence when Thompson's on the bench. Because I love Kevin Love, no pun intended there, of course, but he's not a defensive presence. He's a sieve. He's not like Chris Bosh. You, know? <laughs> you, could, you could stick Chris Bosh at centre in the Miami days and he'd be great. You know, He was an all-defence player a couple of times. They don't have that anymore. So 
I think the reality is this Cavs team is not what it's not the supporting cast LeBron had in Miami by any no. means. They're forced to play small ball. It causes all, it's going to cause them all kinds of problems, and they've had a huge letdown. J.R. Smith's not been great this this season, but I know he's got personal issues going on off the court, so that probably explains a good chunk of that. And Shumpert just hasn't been good the last two seasons. Like I know they won the finals last year and all, but he's just, he's not been great. And you need to rely on these extra guys to give you the the, the added defense because at the end of the day, LeBron and Tristan Thompson can't do it all by themselves. Do you think then the the pickup of Sanders, who's with the the Canton Charge and the D League, trying to get in in shape? Do you think uh, you know it's a massive gamble? Do you see any chance of it paying off? I can see the storylines now. Larry Sanders comes in, scores twenty two and twelve on his playoff debut. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more two point two and twelve, but maybe just yeah. two blocks or something. But that's the impact they need, isn't it? They need a bigger impact. That's what you're, you're saying when the guys like Kyrie don't play. I mean, Kyrie, you go back and look at his last five games, he's actually been really good. This was just a drop-off. So we can probably look at this this game and go, hang on, well, it was just one of those games. But then you also have to factor in the fact that teams like the Spurs, which are, who are really athletic, can switch on multiple players and have got deep benches, they're all going to cause problems for this Cavs team because this Cavs roster... I know we were all saying it was stacked, but then they've added additions and it is stacked, but it's stacked on the offensive side of the ball and that isn't going to help, especially in the East where you're going up against the Boston Celtics who preach defence and then you're going up against the Wizards who are arguably as good as the Cavs are on offence and they showed that the other night when they outscored them and it's just going to be a shooting battle and it's going to come down to the minor little stops they can get and I think they've got two great young wing players in Kelly Oubre Jr. and Otto Porter who bring a hell of a lot more to the table than someone like Iman Shumpert does for the Cavaliers. Yeah, that's 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 the other thing. Like teams now run like switch switch everything defense is what the Bucks invented it and they that's why their coach called it uh, the switch everything and that's what the Spurs did. This win was the perfection of San Antonio Spurs basketball. They switched out on the Cavs, they were aggressive. The Cavs were 4 for 26 from downtown and they did it without fouling. You know, there was that stat the other day that Carl put in our group chat that Leonard's got more steals than fouls in his career. That, <laughs> yeah. That's insane. It is insane, and, and I saw the starters pick that up as well. So uh, shout out to Carl for getting that first. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the thing with the Cavs, though. If the Cavs are going to only get to the free throw line 13 times, they're not going to even, maybe not even get to the finals. And they're certainly not going to beat the Warriors because they are a team that that's one of their strengths, that they've got these quick driving threats from all over the court who can draw fouls but if they're not getting to the line it's just it's going to be an uphill battle for them to even make the finals at this rate see i i think it'll be defensively it's going to be easier for them in the playoffs because that's when the game slows down that's we always say that the defense steps up so that there you expect some sort of uptick in effort and it's it's only uh, transition defense where they seem to be so far behind everyone else like their 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 half court d seems to be like top 15 so that's that's not too shabby so i'm wondering whether that is enough to sort of sort of break even with 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 what they're losing the fact that they'll get a you know more of a game they're used to playing and something that they're slightly better at yeah the biggest change come come april is just going to be the fact that they will have rest between games and it gives LeBron and Tyroo a chance to, you know, make changes, make the adjustments, and you you don't get that in the reg- in regular season games because you go in like sometimes you're back to backs and sometimes you're one in, you know one in every three or whatever. The playoffs is completely different. You've got time to prepare for the team. If you get through, early, you know, if you win four games in the other game series in the your your sort of section goes seven or whatever. Then you've got time to prepare. You kind of know who you're going up against, and that's where LeBron James really thrives because that's where he gets to use his analytical side and his basketball intelligence, which is arguably the best of any player ever, along with Michael Jordan. He has such an impact on the way the team is coached, uh, and that's where the Cavs will become the team we expect them to be. I mean, there's no reason to panic, but I guess if you look at it at the moment, they're not the one seed. They are the second seed. The Celtics are half a game above them. Um, and the Boston Celtics have been, there's no other phrase for it, but they've been lights out since the All-Star break. Their defense is incredible. It's an absolute machine. Brad Stevens has got everybody playing at an incredible level. Jay Crowder's mouthing off and going back and forth with people, which is great because it gives a real grit and grind attitude. And there's certainly a rivalry. I know Joe's mentioned it in the last few weeks, but they're building a rivalry there between sort of them and the Wizards, which is cool because we need more rivalries in the NBA. 
and Brad Stevens probably needs to be talked about more in the coach of the year candidacy because a lot of people seem to be overlooking him uh, considering what he's done and Isaiah Thomas as stupid as it could be could be a real dark horse for something like the MVP especially if the Celtics win win the Eastern Conference but I don't think it's time for the Cavs to panic but I mean what, what do you guys think do you guys think Boston could could end up finishing with the first seed I think Boston are built for the regular season more than the postseason just because they put up a hell of a lot of points. When Thomas and Horford are on the floor, I think statistically they've got the best offense in the league, which is just ridiculous. Brad Stevens has done a great job there. I, I think they will get the one seed. I mean, the the Brooklyn Nets have won more games in March than the Cavs. Yeah, I but, saw that earlier. <laughs> so, like, the Cavs are really on... And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, no, LeBron always does this. LeBron did not ever do this in Miami. They would never went a month winning six games and playing as badly as they are. It just didn't happen. Yes, because Ty Lue, for me, isn't anywhere near as good as Eric Spolstra was. And I think I think Brad Stevens is going to take advantage. And I think he knows he needs to. If he's going to beat the Cavs in the playoffs, he needs four games at the Garden. Otherwise, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think I think home court advantage means a lot more to the Celtics than it than it does to the Cavs. Um, but I'm, I'm quickly learning that with this sort of Brad Stevens run roster, you should expect everything two years sooner. Because like, <laughs> I, I, I thought they'd be a number one seed in about two years' time. Because I just thought that's the point where this, this Cavs have got to have imploded by then. They're primed to sort of build them, you know, with the assets they've got. They should be there or thereabouts. Yeah, LeBron will be run down. And then, then they're, they're going to be title favourites. And But, you know, two, two, three years ago, we also thought that the Celtics weren't going to make the playoffs and he got them in. So I'm, I'm sort of... He, he's got them playing ahead of where they should be. Um the, the schedules for both teams are pretty similar and they actually meet up on April the 5th, so next week could be a big grudge match. It's it's a huge thing for them, but they're, they're in a fantastic place. They're the number one seed and they've probably got the number one pick this summer. How many times has that happened? It's it's They, they are in a, a position of fortune right now. Yeah. Damn them. <laughs> yeah, they, exactly. They, they, other, other franchises have got to envy what they've done and put together. Oh yeah, they went about it completely the right way. I mean, they went out and got the players they needed to get that championship in 2008, had another go at it again in 2009, 2010, and then when they realized it was that was it, they they immediately made the actions and they they've done incredibly well and obviously when they got in the playoffs last year, they challenged that as well and they're just one of those teams that you play a game in the garden, you're always going to struggle, especially with the atmosphere. You you saw it with Devin Booker's game the other night like, you know, they they're proper basketball fans. They they will cheer every loose ball that is won and they'll you know every steal it doesn't matter what the play is they're they're there and come playoff time it's a it's home court atmosphere can make a big difference you see it the way the warriors play in the offset in the in the in, the, in postseason sorry when they're playing at the the oracle they are they're a different beast and it's i just think the eastern conference this year it's just nice to have some competi- competition like because the last two years it's just been Cavs are going to do this. Cavs are going to do that. Now we can at least say, well, Boston are in there, Washington are in there. You know, it, teams are taking steps up, and they're all making. They've certainly made acquisitions and, and trades and, and whatnot to, to sort of challenge them. The biggest thing to me though is just the fact that if the Celtics end up playing the Cavs and they they lose that series, they're going to be looking back on that chance to get Jimmy Butler and be like, what the hell did we just do? <laughs> see, I I think they'll look back on it and be like, we were this close. Free agents are going to see that this summer. And they're going to want to come here. I th- I think it's I think they win win. You know if, if they beat if they if they beat the Cavs, great. If they lose to the Cavs, it's like we did this, and we still got the top. And we've, pick. we've still got the top pick. We've still got room to pick up someone, and you know they're going to go after Butler. They're probably going to inquire about Paul George. They're probably going to go after Hayward as well. They they they're a team that people are going to want to go to because of of where they're positioned. Speaking of the Boston Celtics, it was a crazy game on Friday night last week um, where Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns waltzed into the garden and thought it'd be fun to score 70 points. Um, it was exceptional from such a young kid to to play like that and to go 24 of 26 from the free throw line, shoot 21 of 40 from the field, 4 of 11 from three in a loss. I mean, they lost 130 to 120 
the Celtics were coming out afterwards and saying, look, it doesn't matter because they didn't win and, and they were being quite bitter about it. But for someone so young to come out and score 70 points, have eight rebounds, six assists, three steals and one block over the 45 minutes which he played is just phenomenal. And some of the shots he was throwing up towards the end of the game, would, it was quite obvious he was chasing the 70 points but or chasing as many points as he could get. But some of the stuff that was going in was just like, what on earth? I mean, his previous career high was 39, which he's achieved three times this season. Um, once against my Lakers, once against the Mavericks, and once against the Spurs. And to do it against the Celtics, who are such a good defensive team, it's just bonkers, really. But are, are we going to build this up and then it's going to be nothing in a couple of years? Or is Devin Booker seriously going to be someone that we're going to talk about over the next decade? What I like about Booker, and it's something I always look for in our guards, he can make contested shots because you're not always going to have open shots in the NBA. And and if you need to be open to score, you you know you're not going to be able to be a franchise cornerstone. Um, he's he's in, he's an inside out player. He's cocky as well. You know I think he's going to make a lot of enemies in his time in the NBA. <laughs> um, I you know I could really see him being that kind of player. Just that people aren't going to like him. But the Suns don't care. You know they need franchise building blocks, and he is that. What what I really what I like about him as well, uh, something when I watch him, the Suns' offense is quite basic. You know, it reminds me of what the Timberwolves one was last year. But he still manages to find his teammates in good spots. He's a smart player, could play half court and fast break. He's going to be. I w- I'm not going to go as far as saying a star because that there's uh, the word that word is thrown around too much. But I think he's going to be a very very good player for Phoenix for the next. Well, fifteen years or so, because he's only—he's very young. He's twenty. Well, all I'm going to say is uh, talk to me about it when he's done it six times, like Wilt did without a three-point line. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, um, you sound like a Celtic. Yeah, I know. No, like I—I—I'm I, I, going to be a devil, devil's advocate here. It's a great achievement for a twenty-year-old. He's—he is a fantastic player. He's—he's he's cocky. He's ballsy. He uh, was chatting all kinds of stuff to Jay Crowder. Um, but it's still a loss, and that's what really winds me up. Is that he at the end of the game he was clearly chasing points. I mean, even as the, as as time expired, he had two attempts um, to try and get over the seventy mark, and it's just like uh, or the seventy one and, and whatever. But uh, it, it just didn't. It, it felt very different to the Kobe's eighty one. Um, but it is an incredible achievement. You cannot take that away from him. But I just didn't like the fact he went out celebrating a loss. It was just a little bit. Just wasn't wasn't what I sort of wanted to see. Um, I mean, the, the Celtics killed the game in the first quarter. I think they opened it up thirteen and two or something like that. Uh, but I do wonder what this guy's ceiling is. He plays below the rim essentially. He's not your athletic high flyer tend to see now. And to me, that's a, that's a good thing because he's already able to survive not being the most ridiculous athlete in the league, whereas you see a lot of young guys come in, rely on their athleticism, then try and develop other areas of their game later on. To me, he's got those other areas already, and that could set him up for a very, very long career at a very good level. Yeah, the the game the other night was was a funny one as well, because towards the end, you could quite clearly see that the Celtics had given up on it, and I don't know whether they were just sort of a bit lapsed because they they had the lead or... Or whether that the, you know purposely, Brad Stevens is like, look, if you get to a certain point in a game and you're leading by this many points, then just sort of ease off the gas a little bit and, and rest yourself because obviously they've got bigger games to come. But some of the shots that Booker was taking, especially some of the corner shots, like they were heavily contested and he was still making them. And it kind of reminded me of when Kobe went off for 81 against the Raptors in 2006. But you know, he was 11 points just shy of that. But it's just a crazy scoring output for for someone. I mean, it's the highest scoring output of anyone in over a decade which is you know incredible considering the way the league's going you'd expect someone like Stephen Curry or or Clay Thompson or somebody like that to to have a game like this and it just it doesn't happen he's joined Will Michael Jordan as you mentioned it's an elite category that he's in but the problem he's done it is it might be bad for his career now because he's he's always going to have this game everyone's going to be going what if I mean the Suns have only had one winning season in the last six years since Steve Nash sort of the Steve Nash era left and the team like Joe said is a hell of a long way off from becoming sort of a, a perennial contender or a winner anytime soon and I don't know it's like you it's great for Devin to have this and it gives a spur the spur the sun sorry a, a really good sort of building block and they've they've certainly been playing a lot of their 
younger guys the last few weeks. The rotations have formed out so that Tyson Chandler's been, you know, removed due to a coach's decision and injuries to to uh, Bledsoe have sort of made the, the the opportunity for the young guys to play, and that's what you. I think a lot of the teams in the, the league at the moment are, are sort of straying towards, like the Lakers and the Suns, who are both not doing very well at the moment. And then to have Devin come out and do something like this against the Celtics at the latter half of the season is just phenomenal. But at the end of the end of his career, you could look back on it and go, "Dude, look at the potential," and it, and it never quite got there. But we'll have to wait and see. I know that he's driven, and he, he talks about idolizing Kobe. Have you have you seen the comparison of their um, just yeah, that, some of the was things that the about the ESPN them? thing? Uh, I, I don't know, but it was just like, just to, sort of a head-to-head of similarities between the pair. Yeah, apparently like, his first game against Kobe Bryant, he used Kobe's move. Kobe, when Kobe came in the league and first played against Michael Jordan, he used a certain move, and basically Booker came in and used the same move against Kobe. And from that point on, Kobe was like, this kid's going to do something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite interesting, because both, both of the dads played in the NBA. This is, this is the list that I found. Uh, Kobe drafted in '96, and, and Booker was born in '96, which makes him younger than Joe. So that's that's very young. Um, that's scary. Bo- both are six six shooting guards. Both were the youngest drafted in their respective years. Both were picked thirteenth, and both wear Kobe shoes. <laughs> both wear Kobe shoes. There both you wear go. Kobe shoes. He's destined, to, you know, the number yeah. third, or you know, he's going to be a goat from now on. <laughs> I don't know. We, we, we can have the fun with it now. Like seventy points against Boston is is awesome, and the 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 fans in the arena, both Celtics and Suns fans, all stay to the end because it was just one of those nights where, you know, you're watching NBA history. But I, part of me fears that he he's always going to have this to live up to now, and we'll we'll just have to wait and see. I expect championships, <laughs> um, but it's just been a crazy sort of. Well, this season in general has just been mad for. For NBA records, I mean, the Warriors, with their win last night, became the sixth team uh, it's in history to sort of win 60, uh, have multiple 60-plus win seasons, um, and join the Lakers and the Celtics and the Bulls and a couple of others in that, that sort of stratosphere. And then you had James Harden in the game last night, which was a loss to the Warriors. He's the first player in NBA history to score 2,000 points and have 2,000 assists in the same season, which is incredible. He was 24-11-13 last night. His turnaround, can we just talk about that for two seconds, is just incredible because I just went back quickly and was quite curious because we all know that Russell Westbrook was, that, sorry, James Harden was like the ball hog. I went back and like the jump in his assist stats since leaving OKC has just been, well, he, had, he averaged 3.7 assists while he played with the Thunder. He went to Houston, it started off at 5.8 and it's progressively got higher and higher. And then it jumped from 7.5 last season to 11.3 a game this year. And that for me is just startling and just that's that's what you want to see from a player who truly believes in a coach and a coach's system instead of someone like Camelo who sits there and goes I'm not sure I like this <laughs> I, I, I see what he's saying I kind of get frustrated though that he's being he's receiving all these sort of sort of plaudits and things like that when a year ago when he didn't buy into a coach's system he basically totaled that Rockets team <laughs> right. that, that, that's what frustrates me. Like, if the system works, he'll, he he buys into it. Like, and not and not that Kevin McHale's system didn't work. So they did pretty well the year before, but all of a sudden he got bored with it. Just just ruined the season. And now, like, new coach who brings a specific system that suits him down to a T, and everyone's just like, "Whoa, MVP! Take my hat off. You're amazing." To me, the most valuable player. Yes, I know it's based on one season, but it has to be a little less sort of pouty than that for me. You're not saying he should have been MVP a few years ago. What well, he should have been two, like three. Hang on, hang on let me get my maths oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm trying to get the yeah. year bundle up now. <laughs> exactly, it was two two seasons ago. So yeah, Steph's first one. He, I'm not saying he shouldn't have been it then, but last year, like he was just a mardy pouty thing, ruined it, and then and then all of a sudden we we quickly forget that. And like I say, I know it's based on a season's performance, but it's just a little bit. I don't know. It leaves, it leaves a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. He's 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 phenomenal. I'm you know. Got no argument with that. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't know if I like his personality or approach to that. Like, you know, he's in shape this year, and that's why he's doing. That Houston team was so bad last year. <laughs> but that, that's the thing. Last year, it was just kind of like, it was, it was just they were rubbish last year. I, yeah. I really don't know how they made. 
they did, they did make the playoffs. I'm not imagining that, am I? I think they scraped in with the eighth seed, didn't they? Yeah, they got yeah, in, yeah. Because they had JB Bickerstaff, didn't they, who came in at the end, didn't Yeah, they? and someone had That's... to reschedule flight tickets because he'd already booked his summer vacation. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't blame him for being annoyed last year because he didn't have anyone to pass to. You know, he, they were playing Corey Brewer like 32 minutes a game. Corey Brewer's terrible, as Matt is finding out at the moment. <laughs> He's um, just old. <laughs> that's a, and that's the thing. This summer they bought, they got shooters in, and they said, "Right, Harden, this is your offense. Go and run it." And I think that's what Harden wants. You know, people see Harden as, and they look at him and they see isolation. I don't think that's how he wants to play at all. I think Harden wants to run a lot of pick and roll. You know, drive into the paint, get to the three throw line. This, you know, that's ultimately what his game is based on. And for me, absolutely the MVP this year. Um, I'm not buying into Westbrook at all. I think I I love James Harden. I think he's great for the league. I love how he does the um. I love a, I love his celebration whenever he scores a game winner. And Houston, you know, contenders because of him. Do you, do you worry after last night's result though that they're going to be one of these teams that just you know are on fire during the regular season and then they get to the playoffs and someone. Just basically goes, oh yeah, you shoot a lot of threes. Let's run you off the three point line and force them to go five or thirty one like they did last night. And then they're uh, then what I'm saying is, do you, are you worried that this team is going to be one dimensional? Well, that's always been Mike D'Antoni's problem as a coach, very one dimensional. So, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, Mike D'Antoni has proven his doubt is wrong. That doesn't mean anything in the regular season. You know, no, no. I'm not, Billy Bean is a baseball gem, and his famous quote is, if you don't win the last game of the season, no one cares. And I, I don't go that far. I think you can have a good season without winning something. But for Houston with this court, no one's going to care if they get to the conference finals. Who cares? You know, they're built to, they're built to win. And Mike D'Antoni has got to be a little bit more flexible than he was in Phoenix because Phoenix's best teams were actually under Alvin Gentry when he came in just after D'Antoni. So... I I really hope because I do like D'Antoni. I mean, he's good for the league. But you're right; they are they're a regular season team at the moment, and no one's gonna. People will lose a lot of respect for this team if they don't go and do it in the postseason. Yeah, the biggest problem I think they'll have come the playoff time is the fact that they haven't really rested anybody all year. Patrick Beverly came out during the week and said that resting guys is completely against the principles of the NBA and he thinks it's wrong and it should be banned and, and everything. And James Harden's been so obsessed with chasing this MVP trophy that he's not going to take any rest anytime soon and it's going to come to the point in the next few weeks where they're either going to be locked into the third seed or they're going to be at least attempting to try and get the second seed but due to the way the games fall that's probably not going to happen so they're going to have a really tough call as to whether or not they rest James Harden and risk him not getting the MVP and then making further you know progression in the playoffs or whether they just let James go you know go for it and then see what happens yeah it's, it's a difficult one yeah, yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, last night they only played eight eight players, whereas yeah. the Warriors played twelve. So it's uh, you, you'd think that when the rotations start to shorten up and, and minutes increase for these other guys, they're going to have a bit more left in their legs. So I didn't watch all of last night's game either, but the Warriors looked really, really good last night. And there's news today that Kevin Durant's possibly going to be back the end of next week. So you know that changes everyone's outlook on things, but. The thing that got me with the Warriors last night was just well, the way they were getting impacts from like David West and Matt Barnes, like guys who everyone just assumed were dead at the start of the season. Like that, that's all they need to get to the finals again. This is what they need: just players who like that, who come in and chip in enough that they can get there. And that's what is the opposite from the Cavs at the moment. The Cavs aren't getting aren't really getting that from anybody off their bench. Whereas the Warriors, they're all in. And Steve Kerr got to what two hundred wins in his his coaching career or something the other day, which is crazy considering he's not been coaching that long but yeah it's just been mental um, another record Russell Westbrook became the first player in the NBA, in NBA history um, to record a triple-double without missing a field goal or a free uh, or a free throw um, nuts this guy is just what it, there's 11 games left he's six triple-doubles shy of matching Oscar Robertson's single-season record which was 41 I mean is he going to get it how impressed have you been by him there's so much we could say about Russell Westbrook I, 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 I'm impressed. He's, if he if he averages a triple double, I'll I'll be very impressed. I'd, I nearly I'd... put a bet on that, and Skybet wouldn't let me do it. Oh man, you'd probably made a nice. Proper pissed. I tweeted them the other day and was like, "Why wouldn't you let me put it on?" And they <laughs> didn't reply. But when I initially sent it, it came back saying, 
that they they wouldn't total that up or something. So the, the difficulty for me is I, when I look at it, he's still getting a triple double, and and I go. Is he making his teammates better though? Because it seems to me, like, and, and credit where credit's due, I've just taken a, a, a pot shot at Harden, but he turned Eric Gordon in, almost into an all star and he's revived the career, his career and Ryan Anderson's career. And, you know, he, he's making his teammates better. I don't think Russell is necessarily doing that. I think he's an absolute beast and, you know, an athletic freak who's perhaps unmatched in his position and size. But I, I just, I don't know if he's the most valuable player or just the player who uses the ball the most <laughs> this is where we get into that age old debate which we've had about four times in the, since we've started doing this podcast of what does MVP actually mean but yeah uh, the other yeah, thing that bugs me is that a... both of them are pretty much turnstiles on defence at the minute and that, that bugs <laughs> me the thing, is, the thing is Westbrook and why I find his assist stat so impressive is like he's got no one to pass to like, <laughs> that's a fair point they, they, they've got no shooters like they're, they're, I said this on Twitter the other day. Billy Donovan deserves just a ridiculous amount of credit because that roster construction is terrible. Like it's so bad. They've got no spacing. So I think it's incredible that Westbrook puts up the numbers he does because Cantor's a guy who lets go go work the boat. But a lot of teams to shut down the Thunder, all they do is they let Westbrook drive. They have someone step across to block him, and then he's got yeah, he's got no one to dish it to. So they've got to improve that. So that's why I'm. If Westbrook does win MVP, I'm I'm a James Harden guy. If Westbrook wins it, I'm not going to be annoyed because he's put up ridiculous numbers with very limited supporting cast. Do you think the race is limited to those two guys? Uh, you could put Kawhi in there as well, but like, look at the stats of Harden and West because, and I'm I'm speaking from this. Let's be honest. Journalists aren't very creative when they vote for this. Like they, they don't. They're just slagging everybody off. Joke. Oh, carry on. They, they, they don't. They don't look beyond the box. I think we said this a few weeks ago. Journalists don't look beyond the box stats. So they're going to look at Westbrook having triple double, and they're going to go, "Yeah, we'll just give it to him." Yeah, they don't look at advanced metrics or anything like that. A lot of them. So I, I think don't it know, is but that guy who voted for Kamala Anthony a few years ago did. <laughs> it is limit. It's limited to these guys, but it shouldn't be. That's that'd be my answer. I'm playing. I'm being diplomatic. Do you not think there's five, is there's not at least five guys in it? I think Durant would have been, but obviously he's missed quite a lot of games. Who, and, who's your fit? Sorry, carry on, Joe. Yeah, Durant. Durant would have been in it, but I'm interested to see who Matt's five are because I can only think of four. Yeah, I'm on four, so I'd like to see... Well, I've got James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard. Hang on, I'm having a mind blank now. LeBron? LeBron, yeah. And I was going to... I mentioned it earlier really briefly. Oh, I knew you were going to say this. Isaiah Tom, like, how, if he if they finish in the first seed, how could he not get it? He's breaking nearly every single Boston Celtics record there is. He's, like, catching rapidly up with Larry Bird. The stats he's putting out and the figures are in comparison or better than Allen Iverson over his stage of his career. Like... The, just give him some credit for once in his life. I know he's short and he was the last pick in the draft and he's bounced from the Kings to all over the place. And it's just, it, he's got to be a sneaky outside pick. And you cannot tell me that a lot of Boston journalists are going to sit there and go, hang on, we're the first seed. How the hell did this happen? And they're not going to put it in for him. It's like that guy who voted for Kamel Anthony a few years ago. It's just like, <laughs> you know, everyone's watching a different league and then the guy's like, oh no, I put Camelo and everyone else is putting Stephen Curry. It's like, I th- I find uh, the also thing I find it really odd is the fact that there is no warrior in there. That's really weird when you look at the way the war- the Warriors have just redefined the NBA and broken all the records again this year. It's just nuts. And Durant would have Durant would have been in there if there hadn't been the uh, the injury. Yeah, but I'm not even sure that his uh, campaign would have been that legitimate just because they've got four All Stars. See, that's one of the things I think that goes in Thomas's favor is that he was the only All Star for the Celtics, wasn't he? So it's it's. So him and, and Kawhi and, and Westbrook and Harden are sole all-stars. James had, has some support. So I think that there needs to be some sort of um, caveat that, that they are the, the singular force on that team. Because, I mean, yes, LeBron is an MVP player, but he does have the benefit of, of other superstars. And the same with Durant and Curry. I mean, with two, both of them, that's the last three years' MVPs. Yeah. So, Isn't it, so, it, is it not about time we should be starting to talk about someone like Kyrie Irving in the MVP running? Like, 
he had the incredible finals last year, and then he just he's just averaging himself through it this year. He's not at the stage where he should just be taking that next step up. I, I we all think thought he should that be was it the final up. series. Yeah, I, I think he needs to take the step up. But I don't think he's taking it yet. He's still he's still uh, Robin to Batman. <laughs> so basically, LeBron needs to f off again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, f- the thing people miss about Isaiah Thomas is, though, great offensive player. He's crap defensive player. I mean, that's an understatement. I've been watching basketball not nowhere near as long as you two. I've been watching basketball about eight or nine years. He's by far the worst defender I've ever seen. Like he, he just he's awful. He's too small, and that's. I mean, I'm a big believer in advanced stats and all that. So I could, ne- I'd like, I'd put Chris Paul before him. I know Chris Paul's missed loads of games, but. Paul gives you it at both ends, whereas Thomas doesn't. But, but isn't as that I the said, same admit, as Harden and Westbrook? <laughs> I, I don't think Westbrook is anywhere near as disastrous on defense as Thomas. I mean, yeah, Thomas, Thomas has talk- it against him because he's so small. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I, I still think he's a good player. I'm not trying to have a go at him or anything, but like, it's hard Heightest. to just. <laughs> but if you look at a uh, real plus minus, which you know stats aren't the be all end all of everything, but he's ranked seventeenth in that. So. He's below he's below Ricky Rubio because Ricky Rubio he's nowhere near as good on offense but he's his defense kind of weighs him even whereas Thomas it just weighs against him so much so but as I said a minute ago most journalists just look at the box scores and Boston I can tell you right now Boston journos are the most biased people in the universe <laughs> so he's gonna get some votes that's because he all grew up watching the Celtics you see the, the glory days. Do you, know, do you know what I find incredible is that we're one year removed from a unanimous MVP and now we've got five candidates yeah, and you've not even that, mentioned the reigning MVP. And then you've got the fact that Kevin Durant is on that team that the reigning MVP was on. Yeah, exactly. So we, we, should, we should probably just like think about that for a second and realise how much talent we, we have the, uh, the, sort of the pleasure of watching at the minute. It's, it's been a crazy season. It's the golden age, especially if put like... Like if you ranked all thirty point guards, you'd have someone like Goran Dragic down at fifteen twenty. Goran Dragic is an amazing player. Like this is the golden age of guards, especially especially point guard George Hill, Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry. These guys aren't fashionable names, but they're such good players. So I don't. That's why I hate when Charles Bartley goes, "Oh, the league's crap now." It's soft. He can shut up. You know, I'd, <laughs> I'd rather watch this than him like. Bullying some rookie in the post for forty minutes. This is, this is, this is the best sport in the world at the moment. I truly mean that. Just the way it's run and the talent that's on the court every single night is great. Oh yeah, it's, it's incredibly competitive. And I, I, just on the MVP thing again, quickly, would you would you hit me over the head with a baseball bat if I said you could probably put Demar Derozan in there as well for what he's done since Carl Lowry's been out? I think because he's I don't think stepped that's up ridiculous. immensely. Uh, yeah, and and start the season off, he was incredible oh, as well. He carried yeah. them for the first couple of months, shooting some ridiculous percentage from mid range, which then dropped off. But as now seems to be recovering. Um, yeah, no, I, I, that's what I'm saying. There's there's so many guys you could throw in there. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I think DeRozan's an outside shot, but, he's but Isaiah, I think him and him, too. yeah, him and Isaiah are both way outside shots, but. See, well, I've got another outside shot. Why can't someone? It will never happen. John Wall. <laughs> well, you could. Why can't? Why can't someone like Rudy Gobert go and win that award? Like the impact yeah. Gobert has on the basketball court every night is ridiculous. Like the, if you watch him, <laughs> that people are people are scared of him. Like they'll be driving into the paint and in the back of their mind. They're thinking, "I'm going to get absolutely clattered here." The impact guys like that have on the game, and as you said, DeRozan, they're not fashionable names, so they'll never win the award. Sadly, so the MVP really is it's, it's like a glorified popularity contest. That is a really, really good point you make because there's, I think, that along with Gobert, you mentioned there's a, there's only a one other guy I think in the league who puts as much fright into the other person, and that's Giannis. Like what Giannis can do. And we'll get. There's a question later that we got from the fans where the Bucks are probably going to be my answer to it. But like Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's just such a freak that no one knows what to do each night. And if the Bucks can sort themselves out, they have really got a huge shot for the future. But you know, like you mentioned, him and Rudy, like they scare the living daylights out of other people. That's fair. I really wish voters were more creative, but. Yeah, they just go, oh, he averages 24 points, so he must be better than Gobert, who only averages 12. But, you know, I don't. I try not to look at basketball like that. 
Do you think we're going to get a forward or a centre in the MVP run in the next few years, considering the, the breadth and the you know the amount of talent there is at that position? Someone like Carl Anthony Towns, perhaps? Yeah, I think Towns is certainly in the running, and I don't want to bandwagon Embiid because he's only played 31 <laughs> games, but but he looks the real deal as well. So you've got to think both of those guys. Another name we haven't mentioned, Anthony, Anthony Davis. Davis. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Nikola Jokic, you know, these, these are just such good players that we're seeing right now. And, he, you know, Blake Griffin might go to another team and be amazing. You know, we, we don't know, but there's so many good players in the league that, you know, going into next year, you could you could feasibly pick 20 names and go, they have a shot of MVP, and, you know, you wouldn't be laughed at for some of them. And yet the All-Star game's rubbish. <laughs> So it, it, it really is, really is terrible. In fact, there's not really much point in the All Star Game. <laughs> no, I, but you, you're right. I mean, the amount of games I watch could like just get up each day and put the con- download the condensed ones onto my iPhone just for the uh, commute to work, and it's just like there is so much talent there, and you can and what Charles Barkley says about the league being soft now. Yeah, okay. The w- rule changes of the rules have changed. It's become slightly less physical. But I was watching the the Pacers Timberwolves last night, and the beating that that Thaddeus Young was putting into Carl uh, Anthony Towns' back was unbelievable. Like, every time he tried to, to to post up, he wasn't just like getting a forearm in the back. He was getting a full on like shoulder barge. And I was just I kept watching it. Like forget the rest of the plays going on. And I was just like, how can anyone say that it, it's the league is soft now? This guy who's, who's what's he now, 20, 22? And he's just taking a, a physical beating like that. And he's not exactly a, a, a physically big guy, like muscular-wise. But, it, it, you know, it doesn't change him. He's still catching the ball, making nice little hook shots left and right. It's just, I don't think the league's soft. I think it's just it's just evolved into a more uh, fan-friendly format. That's the only way the pace is going to beat anyone. That's that's why, that's why they were doing yeah, that. Yeah, that was a, that was the thing last night. They were bullying Towns, but then Gorgie Dieng somehow scored. Like I think he got twenty five points. So I'm with you though on the league being so. That's such like a it's like a coward's way out, isn't it? Of looking at a league, just going, oh, what's wrong with it? I need to pick something wrong with it to be edgy. It's soft. Like that's all they can come up with to criticise. And if that's people's main criticism. It's proof that the league is in the best place has ever been. Yeah, and there's arguably more talent, more talent, and more star talent on nearly every team in the league now than there was back in say the the 90s, where you had it set on certain teams and you had the set names, you know, like the Starks and and people like that. But um, just in in the Western Conference, really quickly before we get onto the user questions, last week we sort of made our mind up as to who was going to steal that. The Portland Trailblazers have now jumped into the eighth seed after they beat the Denver Nuggets the other night. So that might be done and dusted. Josef Nurkic had 33 against his former teammates, which was pretty cool. But they were—he was all cool about it at the end of that game, all hugs and and smiles. But did you hear what he said though? No. He, he wished them all the best for their summer vacation. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. N- nail Touché. in the coffin. It's it's. I I know that was a grudge match for him, but part of me is a little bit concerned by that. That um, so he got a career high 33. And maybe it's opportunity or something, but it's like if you need to, if you need to motivate yourself to drop thirty three, and the only way you can do that is by going against the team that decided you weren't worthy of being on the roster. That's that that's a little bit alarm bells for me because there's been questions about how engaged he is before, and if it's you know it it shouldn't take that much for you to want to drop thirty three. Thirty three is a good score, but. You know, you've got Booker dropping 70 over here. You've got guys who can really <laughs> explode. It's, uh, and maybe that's just a complete, like, random point and, and, and no one agrees with me. But I just I was just a little bit like, well done, but come on, you've got to be a bit more consistent than that. You can't only do it against the team that didn't want you. Yeah, and think of how much better the Blazers would be if he was consistently scoring 25, 30 points a night. Because you'd have that combined with CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, who are both going to get you about 26 points a night, because they are... They're phenomenal together, and then you'd have three guys who effectively, you know, would fill up the the points total, and everyone else just has to do the other jobs, and it becomes secondary. I, I think you're you're right. I mean, if he wants to motivate himself, then he needs to find a way of of doing it. But maybe just getting a you know getting on the court and having a chance at playing in the playoffs is going to be the thing that pushes him over the edge because he's certainly got the talent. He's just sort of not really had a chance to show it the last few years. The, the 
Did you see Kenneth Fareed's interview after that game, though? He was he was on uh, Fox Sports Colorado or Denver or whatever it was, and he he went. We got out coached today, and Denver <laughs> had to, and Denver cut him off because obviously they they didn't want him going any Bashing further coach, with that. Yeah. So, I think Malone's done a good job building up, but their defense it's it's awful. <laughs> they, there's it's clear that it, it almost looks like they don't coach it at all. Like no one knows what they're doing. Portland feasted on them. And I think it's a big disappointment that Denver are going to miss the playoffs. I think they're a fun team to watch, but you you can't have your players coming out saying that you got outcoached. That's, that's not good. I think Fareed's looking to get out of there. That was the impression I got when he was in London. So he's been on I'm, that. He's just constantly been, well. If your name's constantly on the trade list all the yeah. time, then you're always going to be have that at the back of your mind, aren't you? Yeah, There's got to be players around the league who are just a bit fed up. It's like Gallinari and um, Wilson Chandler, both on that team, both play the same position. Like They've been floated around in trades this season and it, it gets to the point where I think they meant the player just goes, does anybody really want me here? And then you just chuck yourself out, don't you? <laughs> Maybe that's what happened to, to uh, Nurkic. Um, but it's, it is interesting because I think Malone's a really good coach and I'm I'm, I'm disappointed that as as much as I like the Blazers, I really wanted to see the Nuggets in the playoffs because I I just enjoy watching Jokic play so much. He's just like you mentioned him earlier as a, a real sort of outsider in the MVP and talented sort of players talk, and he he really is something different. Like he doesn't you look at him, he doesn't look athletic. He looks like I don't I don't mean soft like, but he he he's not like this toned big man who who looks like he should be a physical beast but he is he gets in there and he muscles people around and he's got range and he's got vision and he's just he's just an absolute pleasure to watch and I, I'm disappointed we might not see him now yeah it's a bit of a bummer I'm kind of annoyed that we ain't going to see someone like Nerlens Noel in the playoffs but then again he was traded to the, the Dallas Mavericks <laughs> we <laughs> didn't have much the of a start the first in the first time place. in like ever as well by the way right. yeah. the, the Mavs not being in the playoffs is just weird for me <laughs> Because they're, they're one of those teams that's always there. Right, um, the two user questions we got. Um, first one is from Jonathan Justin, who put which team will come out of nowhere and gain some momentum going deep into the NBA playoffs. Uh, Mr. Hulbert, do you want to have a crack at that one? Um, I don't know if they're coming out of nowhere, but I think Toronto. I think when, if Kyle Lowry hopefully gets back, I think they're a legit contender. I think they've been playing really well without him. I watched them against Miami the other night and... You're obviously, obviously watching Miami for the past three months. I've not seen a team causing that much trouble, you know. And they've played the Warriors, the Rockets, the Spurs in that time frame. They're a legit threat this year. Masai is probably the best GM in the league, and I think they're going to get momentum at the right time. They're, I think they're top five in offense and defense, so they're a very dangerous team to look out for. I've got, I've got three. Um, and I've, I've done it based on. <laughs> the, greedy. <laughs> no, I've done it based on the the standings at the minute. So I've got uh, Memphis in the seven seed uh, against the Spurs because they're they're two and one in the series at the minute. They defended the home court both games. They match up well. They enjoy the slower pace. So I think that could be an interesting first round matchup. Uh, Milwaukee against the Raptors because just who who can stop Antetokounmpo at the minute? They are they are just beasting. Um, and then also in the East. Miami at the eighth spot against Celtics at the one spot because the Celtics' weak point is their interior and Miami Hassan Whiteside is just a a monster, an absolute monster, and you can't yeah, count Dion Waiters out either. Put back game winner from him the other night was was pure quality. There's not many players in the league who could do that. Um, for me, I mean, I was going to pick the Bucks who I mentioned earlier just because I genuinely think that. Antetokounmpo is he's the enigma for the playoffs like what's he going to do what do you know what are you going to get from him and Jason Kidd's shown that he could he he moves him around so much that he causes a bit of a nightmare to opposition coaches um but I, I don't know I can't really see many teams go it just like, there is no real under the radar threat that I mean unless Portland get it together like we mentioned I mean CJ McCollum Damian Lillard certainly have the capabilities of taking them further than they could then they should rightfully go. Memphis are too banged up. Oklahoma are just, you know, a one-man band. The Clippers, maybe? If, if they, 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 they are they find, under the radar? <laughs> I think they, I think they are. Everyone was so high on... Well, I say everyone. I was so high on them at the start of the season. <laughs> and, uh, and they just died a horrible, horrible Clippers-like death. Um, 
so I think I think people are forgetting about them. Where you know, if their uh, if their four key players can suddenly find a bit of form, they could be an absolute terror again. Yeah, well, I look like an idiot because if you go back and look at the double clutch uh, season preview document that we put together, I had the Clippers finishing second in the Western Conference. Um, so that's that's not going to work very well. You and Joe both had them third, so you were a bit less. I mean, I had them winning sixty games, um, which is not looking great on me. But but yeah. <laughs> the, bit, the big problem for that question is that usually in the especially in the East, you get a team who are kind of you know making a late season run. I think I said on the last podcast, no one wants the seventh and eighth seed in the East. They're all pretty bad. You know, the drop off from Toronto. Oh no! I'll put Milwaukee in the top five. The drop off <laughs> from Milwaukee to Atlanta is god awful. Like Atlanta and Indiana, they're not good teams. Yeah, they're the not Hawks good are teams at, at all. The Hawks, the, I mean, you look, Indiana, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be a top ten seed in the in the West. So you know, it's a concerning problem for them. I think some of the stuff that has come out from Paul George the last couple of days as well kind of suggests to me that if they do get to the playoffs, he's maybe not going to make as much of an effort as he did say last season when he calls the Raptors all kinds of chaos. But um, the Hawks are bad at the moment. They I mean they won one last night, but you know Dennis Schroeder was pretty good. But if they're going to be relying on Dennis Schroeder to be their star, then they're they're in serious trouble. I just think the Bucks are that bottom bottom four in the East are going to have. The most capability of, of causing an upset, but if Miami are as, as you know fiery and as well coached as as we've seen, then they could also prove a problem. I mean, there's got there's a lot of young guys on those teams, and this is the thing you cannot underestimate some of the younger players in the league because they can just surprise you when you you kind of least expect it. I've got another question, haven't we? Yeah, I'm probably going to butcher the name here, but so I apologise. But um, this is from Anajan Ahilan. If you want to find him on Twitter, it's nice and easy. Just go on Anna Jan Young Wolf. That's a lot easier. Um, so he, he basically tweeted us and said, with March Madness currently going on, um, which players have massively helped improve their draft stock? So I'm going to fire this over to the resident ESPN college basketball expert, Joe Hobbit. I think De'Aaron Fox had a good tournament. Kentucky point guard. He played really well. Uh, the big the big riser for me, though, well, certainly from what I watched, was Laurie Markkinen. He looks, he's a stretch four for Arizona. He's the best shooter in the draft. So he's one to watch out for. The problem is of him, he can't play defense at all. So think of him like a rich man's Ryan Anderson is what I describe him as. So there's some, but on the whole, I thought March Madness was pretty dull this year. It's usually a bit better than it was. I I mean, I haven't, this is one of the first years I haven't really watched much at all, which is, not a good endorsement for my, <laughs> for, my <laughs> for my pick, uh, but it'll get interesting. I, I've got to make a decision as to who I'm siding with on on April third because the team I grew up following, which was the Tar Heels, will be facing off against the team I fell in love with about a decade ago, which is the Ducks. So I will have to decide which jersey I'm going to wear uh, for that one. Uh, but the guy I keep hearing uh, is is the the forward for. Uh, South Carolina Gamecocks have just made the, the final four for the first time ever, which is Cindarius uh, or Cindarius, I can't even remember how he said it, and Cindarius Thor- Thornwell, um, who <laughs> is going to be a second round pick, but he's he's jumped from uh, in the rankings from 66 to 49 just over the last week, which is from going undrafted to, to being a pretty solid second round pick. So, yeah, that's 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 all I can say on it. Yeah, I'm not really a college guy. Like I'll pay attention come draft time, but I mean, there's there's only been one college player who I've paid any sort of real interest in the last few years, and it's been Frank Mason the third, like at Kansas. He's just been a guy who I've paid a little bit of attention to because I've seen flashes of his his brilliance on YouTube, and I saw him cut someone up, cut someone up quite nastily in one of the games the other day. So um, he's the the only guy I know anything remotely about, but I don't think even he's like a top top 20 picks so what we need is is a, a college basketball team to sort of pick up the the slack for when it gets to the summer when we don't know anything about the draft and we just make it all up on the spot i think that's a good idea i think this is a recruitment call right now for anyone who's really interested in college basketball to come and uh help us out when it gets to the off season <laughs> um right well that's been the uh, double clutch podcast we hope you've enjoyed the show you can check us out on itunes please leave us a review 
on there or on Stitcher or on whatever it is you use, Podomatic. I, I don't know what the Android-based ones are, but I'm pretty sure that you can leave reviews on there. They really help us the reviews. They push us right up um, the rankings and they get us a bit, uh, you know, noticed. Um, the website, as always, is doubleclutchpodcast.co.uk. Please check that out. There will be a bit more content going up. We've dropped off the last couple of weeks, but um, people are a bit busy at the moment. But the playoffs are coming, so there'll be more time for us to sort of do sort of roundtables and things. We're going to go back and look at our pre-season predictions where we predicted who would win the MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year on a future show. That's going to be an interesting one because a hell of a lot of them are going to be wrong and we're going to we're going to have a laugh about that one. Um, we've got episode 200 coming up which I know Mike is working very hard on trying to make a, a special one. So if, you, if you're around and you see that 200's gone up on your, your, your iPad or whatever it is you use to listen to us then uh, give it a download because it's going to be a show you're going to want to tune in for um, but yeah you can uh, find us on Twitter at Double Clutch UK if you're watching any of the games over the weekend or in the evenings please use hashtag NBA in the UK and then we'll tweet out the best ones throughout the week and we're on Facebook at Double Clutch UK as well but um, yeah I've been Matthew Wellington and this is good night.